Um, let us pray, gracious and most heavenly Father, for this uh, for this day, for um, this day which you have made, for this church, uh, for your work being done in your way in each one of us. Um, I pray that it would not lack for a single thing. Now be with us, I pray, and speak, um, unclog our ears, and give sight to those parts of us which are blind, so that we would see and hear your word which you have prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, Going through this series, and this is the last one for a few weeks, and I'll pick it up again in mid-July, just kind of vaguely titled Out of Bounds. Frank Limehouse, in one of our Tuesday staff meetings, I sat next to him, and he he turned to me, and and I I, I took the word as I think he intended it. He's like, are all of them just called the same thing? And I was like, yes, but I'll change that for the next part. So um, all these just kind of out of bounds and just very brief... um, uh, capsule of what I'm hoping to do with some of these, um, uh, some of these classes, just out of bounds. The idea that I'm trying to think of is that, as it's bounded, we usually, I usually think of God working sort of in the box, inside the boundaries, in a way that I would expect, in the way that God would um, would come and show up and do a work which which uh, which makes sense to me that He would work in such and such a way in X, in situation X. Oh, God is plainly here working God at work because we can see why. And I don't think that's right. Um, even as I know that, even as I um, have the privilege of often teaching on that or whatever else, it's still it's still deeply sown in my heart reflexively that 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 I can um, foretell the operation of God in your life, in my life, in the world uh, Etc. 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 And I don't think that's right. God works out of bounds much more than He works in the bounds. And the word that kind of playing this apart and, and, and not playing it hard, just really in the uh, in these introductions, the word blessing. Um, I think as I usually use the word blessing, as I hear the word blessing used, because uh, I don't use that word very often, uh, it's it's usually give me some feedback if you think otherwise, um, or if you would think the same. Uh, it's usually in the sense that, that we, we can see God's blessings, or I pray God's blessings upon you. Um, and nobody's, when they do that, I don't think most people, maybe they are to me, um, hoping that God is going to work out of bounds and sort of do work in Alzheimer's or do work through the depression or the recession, whatever we're calling this period that we're in right now, or through some period of, of difficulty or trial, that we're praying God's blessings upon you through those times. Um, but I think that's exactly where God is more at work um, than, than in the times that we normally think of blessings. Blessings being financial or familial prosperity, or where things are going right, or where um, a, a positive outcome came as a, as a result of prayer and Bible study. Um, that, that's inbounds, that we would expect that as I fasted for 40 days, um, that at the end of which God would bless me and... Uh, and he would give me the answer. You know, Lord, show me the way. <laughs> and he does. And that doesn't usually happen. It does some, but it doesn't usually happen. And that's out there in the culture, and I guess I'm just trying to sew this in here a little bit to um, kind of offer different, a different perspective, a biblical perspective, that God is working out of bounds. And using a lot of, of, of video to kind of use this summer as a way of, of, of a license to, to be a little bit more free in terms of how much... AV and all that we use. So the first week I used a, a, 
a long intro and a song um, from a U2 concert in 1997, and then two weeks ago, A River Runs Through It. Today is going to be an episode from The X-Files, Spencer's, um, on the friends here on the staff, uh, and he and I, when Paul Zoll were here, we're, we're, we're big X-Files, P-H-I-L-E-S. Um, uh, and so we're looking at an episode, an old episode of the X-Files, and then we'll come back probably still looking at Ordinary People and maybe some, maybe a Lyle Lovett song as I was driving this weekend. Um, uh, I thought of a few Lyle Lovett songs, I'm a big fan of his. And so just looking at ways kind of a little bit, a little bit outside the bounds of what we can use to see how God may be at work in our lives. That's kind of the idea. So any thoughts or comments before we dive right into some of the, the X-Files? Scully and Mulder, if you remember the show, and... Um, it was it was it was big in the day, um, and as I went back and watched this episode, I said, wow, it really has dated a little bit. Um, uh, but that's okay. So, any thoughts or comments? Then what's that? Go ahead, Drew. Well, I was going to say uh, I just remember early in uh, our married life, uh, uh, we had a situation we were going through, but we read a grief observed. I think it was from mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis and. He called God the great iconoclast, you know, the breaker of your icon, mm-hmm, your idols, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I... Good word. The, really, our thoughts of who he is, mm-hmm. we have idols of God yeah. that he breaks apart because it's not him. Yeah. Um, reminds me of a verse in Jeremiah that I have always latched on to. Where the Lord speaking through his prophet says, Is not my word like a hammer, says the Lord, which breaks a rock to pieces? Um... And that's a, that's a large part of what this series is. It's really the word is law, um, and we're going to get there more next time. Um, but that's, that's one of the two words of God, and it's an important word. Um, it's the word that brings us to the end of ourselves and our need of him. Um, as the word of, through law brings us to Christ, but it gives us no power to put ourselves back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. So that's right, diaconoclast, I like that. Um, well, our text um, in that vein is going to be Psalm from Psalm 38, not quite the whole thing, but a lot of it. Um, and a lot of our liturgy, um, the liturgy of our, um, of our confession, our Eucharistic prayers, um, still reflected in, in our most recent prayer book, 1979, but, but in the prayer books before, and I don't go a long way here, but in the prayer books before, there was a little bit more of an atonement-centeredness in the 1928 prayer book, and especially in the 1562 um, uh, which would be much more Cramnerian, uh, the, the, the author, the, the English reformer, um, Archbishop uh, Cramner, who, who wrote a lot of the prayer book, who, who is said to uh, have taken the Bible and, uh, and arranged it, ordered it for worship, and that's, that's the Anglican heritage. It's a heritage that we, we have a lot to, to commend, to, to hang on to that. Um, you'll hear some echoes of that, especially if you've been an Episcopalian or an Anglican for a long time, um, some echoes in Psalm 38 about our, um, our confession before God, uh, about who we are and who he is. Um, so from Psalm 38, um, and, and let me go ahead and begin to sow some, some seeds to the, uh, to, the, to the clips. We're going to watch about six minutes, maybe seven minutes from an X-Files episode. Um, three different clips. The, uh, the, yeah, I'll do this now. The episode involves a man. His name is Ed. The character's name is Ed. And he... Um, um, it's called Never Again. If you're, it might just was, we might just way into the X Files when it was there. Um, good. Raise your hand proud. This is what I did before I met Maymay. Um, 
I was, because uh, after Maymay, there were no X-Files. Um, <laughs> before I met Maymay, I lived in this apartment um, in Homewood. You know, I was the youth minister here, and so I worked on Sundays um, all day, and X-Files came on Sunday night, I think. This is back in the days of VCRs. We didn't have the Internet. I mean, none of that was around. Um, and, and I had a, a fancy VCR. If you remember, they had the VCR codes. You could, like, put in this five-digit code, and it was kind of the precursor to a DVR, which we, we still don't have. I'm sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> um, um, so we had it then. You could put this code in, and so I always taped the X-Files. And what I would do is come home uh, late on Sunday and then make this pot of, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Uh, uh, one meal a week I cooked, and it was a pot of rice, and then I put a can of black beans in there. And if I had gone to the store recently, which only meant that I ran out of coffee, because I, I went to the store about once a month, I would get some chicken, and I'd cook that, and I'd just put this chicken breast in there. I'd sit in front of the X-Files and just eat out of my pot with a big wooden spoon and on my couch, and I'd watch it. Maybe I went to my apartment twice. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was such a good place. So anyway, I'd sit there and I'd watch the X-Files because it was recorded beforehand. And so that's, that's really, really was the only show I watched. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't on cable because I didn't have cable. So I watched the X-Files. And this one came on, I remember, because it was in the fourth season. And for fans of the X-Files, it really was sort of an interesting show. Because it was the show was character-driven, primarily Mulder and Scully. And if you remember the show, it's got, it kind of had two two different kind of shows. It had the shows that were sort of in the meta-narrative, it would be called, like the the, uh, the big narrative, and there's always, you know, the truth is out there, and there's this great governmental conspiracy, the, you know, Area 51 that the, the government knows about, about extraterrestrials, et cetera, and so forth, and Mulder's the only one who's kind of getting wind of this, and, and Scully is being brought on alongside of that. And so they had those shows, and that sort of brought a lot of coherency to it. And then you had these individual shows. This is kind of an individual show where it's not a part of the meta-narrative, but um, just really weird, strange, kind of individual <coughs> occurrences, um, and that's uh, that's what this show was. And the show was um, was character driven, primarily the, the 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 drive between Mulder and Scully, Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny. Um, you know, sort of this 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 quasi romantic tension that was always there was never really sort of you know consummated until very very late in the. Uh, in the show's run, um, but they also, I think it was kind of psychologically well done. I mean, they kind of found a type, and they, they stayed consistent to it. This episode was an exploration into Scully, because she's, um, she, she always had a religious part to her, where, where, where Mulder was clearly the agnostic, if not an atheist, but, but Scully was a devout Roman Catholic, and she always had some Catholic themes that were going on, and she was always exploring that. And I think this episode brought that into really good tension because she's exploring her dark side. She's exploring her um, her sinful side, we would say. We're, she's exploring her Psalm 38. Uh, what's going on in this episode? Um, a man, Ed, who has no, he's just a floating character. He doesn't appear again in the, in the series. He just divorced his wife, um, and the day that his divorce gets finalized, he goes to a bar, gets drunk, stumbles across the street, gets a tattoo. The tattoo um, uh, sort of an old pinup um, uh, develops a voice. It's the voice. Jodie Foster is the voice. Um, if you remember the episode, you never see Jodie Foster. She just narrates the voice. Um, she, I mean, Mulder, I mean, excuse me, this guy and Scully, Gillian Anderson's character, meet. Um, uh, it's not clear whether or not they they have a, a relationship, um, but uh, they kind of work that 
through, and, and you're going to hear about this voice. So, all this that we're going to talk about today is that voice, the inner voice, um, that voice which is in every one of us. You might call it your inner voice. Um, Austin Powers called it the, uh, the, uh, the inner monologue, which was um, destroyed in the cryogenic process and now is an outer monologue. And You know, just that, that voice that's in there, you saw that. Um, uh, it's just the voice that's in each one of us. It's that 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 voice which we use for thought. Um, okay, one plus one plus one. That's five. Okay, I got that. You know, and that that voice that's there, but it's also that voice which seems to come out of nowhere. That voice which compels and drives, and as Paul would say famously in Romans seven, that voice which which is the authority and the author of the thing that I. Um, uh, of my doing the very thing I don't want to do and my doing the very thing that I don't want to do. Oftentimes it's that voice. Um, Psalm 38 reckons that. This episode reckons with that. And then um, we're going to look also, we're going to go back to this American Gospel, which the bookstore finally got some ep- um, some copies in. So um, do run, don't walk to get them. Uh, he explores, uh, Ethan Richardson explores in a chapter there, um, this voice as well. And so I'm going to read some of that. So here's Psalm 38. Um, if we remember some of the, the stuff from the last couple of weeks, this idea of being disconnected, this voice, um, the psalmist David, is, uh, is clearly a voice of one who has been disconnected, um, just like the X-Files character who's feeling very disconnected from his, uh, uh, particularly his child. You see, we're not going to see this, but you know, he looks at a picture of, uh, of he and his son, um, who now obviously he's not having custody, and he takes a cigarette and he burns himself out of the picture, so there's a lot of self-loathing, guilt, shame, shame, that fear of being disconnected, that I'm not enough, which we've looked at the last couple of times. Um, this voice in Psalm 38, uh, this, this, this accusation is evil, and here Jodie Foster, it's going to make sense when we start watching the episode, because um, as the psalmist speaks of my being deaf to, uh, to any voice outside, I think it'd be fair, by looking at the rest of the psalm, to say the one voice I hear is that voice in my head. And deaf people describe that. Of course, they can't hear the outside world, but they hear their inner voice. They've still got that, um, that voice. And that's a, uh, that can be a very dangerous thing. So here's Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. That used to be in our um, our confession. There is no health in us, it would say, in our uh, in, in the Anglican confession of sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day, all the day, I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. We hit pause. It's through verse 9. That would be this character that we're about to watch in the X-Files episode. But that's, um, if it's not been you yet, um, I'm not sure how you made it this far without having that. Um, but, but it will come. This voice will come to each one of us. This sense of disconnectedness, this sense of, of having no health, even in my bones, the sense of, uh, of, of the Lord's arrows having been sunk into me. 
This is an honest realization with the way things are, I think. Now, I can expect some pushback from that, because there's certainly a lot of people that wouldn't agree with that statement, but, but I'm putting that out there. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. and the light of my eyes, it has also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Um, that's, that's a great verse for disconnection and shame. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear. Like a mute man who does not open his mouth, I have become like a man who does not hear, in whose mouth there are no rebukes. rebukes. The only voice heard is that inner voice, typically, of accusation. But for you, O oh Lord, this is where it turns. In a psalm like this, with a few exceptions in the Psalter, look for the but. Look for the but God. As I repeat so often, as T.D. Jakes used to say, but God, and you need to get in the but, he would say. You need to find the but of God and get in the but. And you need to find that, because it's here. But for you, O God, I do wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin, but my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. And many are those who hate me wrongfully. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Now this is a man. This is a description. When he, when he closes his, his psalm, his song, saying, O Lord, my salvation, he really means that word. O Lord, my salvation. O Lord, the one who saves. O Lord... Uh, there is no health in me, and left to myself, I am, I am dead and dumb and, and, and have no power in me. Oh Lord, help. Now what the X-Files does, um, it doesn't go there. It's not gospel. There is no, um, there is no salvation. Um, in fact, there's a small piece where, where he's going to describe... Uh, to Scully, you've been my salvation, and he's, and he's wrong. He's dead wrong. That's going to be the third clip. Um, but this could be the first word of God, the word of law, which brings us to a right understanding of myself, of God, and of the world. And that's, um, and that's important. It's important to be able to see things as they actually are, and not how we think they should be. Because remember, I think God should be here, but the iconoclast who God is, he breaks those like a, a, a hammer breaks rocks. He breaks that expectation that God should X. And God often, um, who, God, God is no gentleman. He doesn't say, um, pardon me, I beg to differ. Um, he, he comes right in and he, uh, and he breaks that idea. He just breaks it. Um, and it's not something I want for any one of us. And yet it's also something that I want to testify and say that's, that's God working. O oh God, my help and my salvation, make haste and do not forsake me. O oh God, be not far from me. Who does God save us from? I'm just preaching now. I need to get back into my thing. Who does God save us from? God saves us from himself, and that is good news. Maybe I'll come back to that and say what I mean by that. So let's look at the X-Files. Um, any comments on Psalm 38 or anything else? Comment that God saves us from, from himself. Um, all right, let's look at this. Um, I think I've set it up. Um, this first clip, let me see where we are. Uh, um, things to look for. Um, I'm going to set it up this way. 
Uh, we're going to hear Jodie Foster's voice um, come in. The, the man um, at this point in the episode, we're picking up about two-thirds of the way through, or a third of the way through. He, um, after he lost, uh, after he was divorced and then got drunk and got the tattoo, then he's upstairs feeling in his apartment feeling sorry for himself. And the first time he hears Jodie Foster's voice, he thinks it's the woman downstairs mocking him. And so what does he do? But he goes downstairs and he kills her. And so he's got a murderer that he's dealing with. And then he goes to work the next day and hears the voice again. And he thinks it's, it's some girl in the next cubicle who's also mocking him. And then he loses his job. And so he's just absolutely coming down to the bottom. Um, but then he ends up, uh, uh, I think at this point, yeah, he's met um, Scully, um, asks her out. She says no. Um, Scully calls him back. That's what we're about to uh, to pick up. Is Scully calling him back? And and the voice comes back in there and makes a great line. Beauty is only skin deep, baby, because the tattoo is talking. But I go all the way to the bone. I think there's no accident here. I mean, the the the, the show was really crafted well for these short sort of 50 minute, 48 minute episodes, and it's a description of original sin. Beauty is only skin deep, but I go all the way to the bone. And Betty, this voice of Jodie Foster, she's not good. I mean, she is evil. And it's really kind of a creepy episode. Um, and it's right shot through. It's original. It's skeletal. It's foundational. It's fundamental. That's our voice that's in our head, Jodie Foster, um, who's uh, uh, bad all the way to the bone. So that's this, um, this clip. Jealous, controlling. That bitch today is just like all the others. Hello? Um, my uh, my flight was canceled because of the storm, and I was just wondering if I could pick you up on dinner. Thank you. Give me an hour. Oh, too loud. And now they're going to go, um, they're out on their date. Let me queue it up. I'm not smart enough to do this at the same time. Um, 26. We don't hear the voice here, um, but this is Ed, that guy, and, uh, and Jillian Anderson, Scully's character, Scully, um, talking. And this is, this is kind of where the episode revolves. This is sort of the, the, uh, the, the, the nuclear, um, Conversation, I guess you'd say, where where they're kind of exploring um, meaning and and how they they see things, and and it's a little bit contrived, but but again, in the meta narrative of the whole series, there's, there's a lot that's sort of descriptive of Scully's character here. Um, what does it say? Scully says two things. You can't tell what's going on in someone's head just by looking at them. So the people aren't skin deep. There's always more than meets the eye. It's a lot deeper. There's something to the bone that's in there, this original sin idea. 
And then Scully and, and this guy begin to explore the question, especially Scully, of whether or not they are the ones who are screwed up. But she's the one who screwed up, not everybody else but her. Um, and she describes some of her own sort of you know, circular dynamics, and she, this is where it's contrived. I've always gone around in a circle, and it usually starts when an authoritative or controlling figure comes into my life. Part of me likes it and craves the approval, but then at a certain point along the way, well, I just, you know. And that's obviously Mulder, David Duchovny's character, and so that's part of the tension that's in there. But there's this, this part, which I thought of William Faulkner's quote, well, y'all will know this, when he said, the past is not dead. The past isn't even in the past. The past is not dead. The past isn't even in the past. And this, this idea of badness to the bone, which right there, I mean, that's, that's where our past is always there haunting us. That's where it's always pulling up these old ideas, these old um, schema, this way of viewing the world, the way we think that things ought to be this way, but they shouldn't be another. Um, our past isn't dead. It's not even in the past. It's, all, it's at work. It's always active, and this is part of what the Word of God is having to work against. And I see that here in this conversation that's starting to play this out. Um, it frames the whole episode. Um, a little bit of interpolation. Scully's asking some of the questions that I think you and I ask. Um, can I make it? Is anybody for me? Um, is, this, is this all there is, or is something else... Um, especially connection, because that's kind of the, the theme that's emerging in this short series. Uh, connection with other people. Is that possible? Because she's up here asking the question, you know, I know the pattern. Um, it started with my dad, um, kind of drawn to an authoritative figure, but then it gets to a place where that authority begins to repel me. And so it's this thing that I don't want to do, I don't do. This thing that I don't want to do, I do. And the thing I don't do want to do, I don't do. Because the voice, she is letting him in to the voice that's in her head um, around this recidivistic cycle. So that's kind of the frame I would give this. So. Can you hear? Makes me feel good about myself. isn't dead. And when I was 13 or so, I went through this thing where I would sneak out of my parents' house and smoke my mother's cigarettes. And I did it because I knew that if he found out, he would kill me. And then along the way, there are other fathers. Sounds a little like your time has come around again. I want 
So with that tension, they go across the street and she gets a tattoo. And then this is um, obviously towards the end. Um, we'll hear the voice again uh, where Ed describes um, what he thinks is uh, his salvation in, in Scully. He's going to say, I hear it, Dana. In my head, only deeper. She talks to me, and she makes me do things I don't want to. She controls me. Um, and then she uh, she says, "We need help," because she just did her you know sort of early internet sleuthing and uh, and figured out that there's um, the diet. You know, she's brilliant. Um, always always a little bit incredulous how brilliant she is. She knows everything about everything in the exact moment that she needs to know it. Um, she uh, she figures out that they are under the spell of a uh, uh, a certain rye grass, I think, that was in Russia, and so that's why they're having these hallucinations. That's why he's having these hallucinations. But of course, that's not really it. She makes me do things, Dana, that I don't want to do. Um, uh, and what he's confronting is the question whether you know, pick an easy target right now, Jerry Sandusky or anybody else. You know, you can say, you know, well, the voice made me do it, but you have to reckon with the fact that the voice is still me. It's uh, it's not, it's not the devil. It's not the voice. It's not somebody else. Um, it's me. You know, there is no health in me because that voice is a part of me. That voice is in my bone, and so we're going to see that as he, um, he. Uh, well, we got to reach for that a little bit here because um, he. This is where he doesn't. He doesn't take that. The word of God has not. Um, active on him. We can see, I think the show is well done, where he needs that crushing. He needs to be able to see the word, um, you are the man, as Samuel confronted um, King David. Um, So here's this part, the kind of closing scenes of the episode.
such a relief to be able to tell someone. I hear it, Dina. In my head. Only deeper. It's more than just a chemical reaction. She talks to me. She hates women. My wife, my boss, you. She's so jealous, Damon. She makes me do things. I don't want to. But she controls me. But I believe that you made her go away. We need to get help. I'm going to go into the other room. And I'm going to come back. And we're going to go together. He doesn't know she works for the FBI. And when he walked in, she was on the phone. See how the tattoo healed itself again? Dana Scully, please. Dana Scully, please. So he realizes that she's an FBI agent and he hits her, knocks her out, and about to burn her in the incinerator just like he did the other one. And Anyway, she wakes up, and she's okay. Um, so that's the episode. Never Again is what it's called. It's good. It's good. You can get on iTunes for four bucks or whatever. Um, so run, don't walk. This voice, this inner voice, um, the show highlights it as if it's some sort of psychosis and all that. And there's this tension, although Scully, the believing character, um, coming from some perspectives of faith, she's also the reductionistic. That's part of the tension between she and Mulder that she's the one who has some faith, but he's the disbeliever, and yet at the same time, she wants to always find a scientific explanation and say, you're just under some, some uh, influence of an ergot alkaloid, um, which is causing you know, weird and irrational behavior. And, uh, uh, and it's Mulder on the other side is saying, no, there's, there's something else. Uh, and, and that's the tension in the show, and I think it's a good tension. And I'm on the side squarely, there's something else. And there's... there's, there's, there's Clearly, uh, science, neurochemical you know, imbalances and all that sort of stuff. But I'm bad to the bone, baby. Um, I'm all the way in. Beauty's skin deep, but I go all the way down. Um, uh, you, know, you saw the burnt tattoo, and then you see it again, where she's all the way to the bone. There's no, there's no snuffing out. There's no behavioral modification. There's no, there's no gag on our original sin. Um, it is with us and will remain with us until um, we go to Christ via our death or until he ultimately comes back. Um, Ethan Richardson picks this up. He has this, uh, a chapter in his book where, I'll do this briefly, 
where he speaks of this uh, this voice, um, uh, the the vox de, uh, diabli, the, the 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 devil's voice, and he sets it up really well. And this is on uh, based upon that um, that NPR show, This American Life, which I've never heard, but but it's pretty interesting. Ivor Glass um, says this uh, on an episode where the, where uh, well, this is what he says. Well, one of our producers, this is Ira Glass, Nancy Updike, started asking around about whether people felt like they were under a spell of an inner voice like this. And it was like people had been waiting all their lives for somebody to ask them this question. She heard from serial cheaters and road ragers and moveaholics, a guy who obsessively buys too much food to the point where he goes into debt, people compulsive in ways that she had never heard of. And then Ethan Richardson continues, in other words, when allowed to speak up without judgment, a family of sinners emerges. People don't often talk about their problems unless they feel like they're not alone. When they know that they aren't, it changes everything. And just some of the voices that people described. Um, these are, uh, a man said, the voice is irresistible. Always I'm in the thrall of that voice. And a woman, totally out of control. It's got this life of its own and I can't tame it anymore. I actually have a name for the voice. I call it Stan. Stan is the guy who tells me to have the extra glass of wine. Stan is the guy who tells me to smoke. And then a man says, I remember somehow realizing just how finely calibrated the voice was to every nuance, every part of my feelings, including the feeling that I didn't want to smoke cigarettes. And it's just like, might as well have another cigarette, because this is it. Tomorrow you're going to quit. And then briefly, um, a woman, uh, resonating with this one, a woman who's a bulimic, who... Um, uh, who eats a lot of food and then throws it up. Um, she describes her voice. Um, one of the things I do that the voice came up with is when I binge and purge, you can never be sure how much you get back up. The voice came up with the idea that if I put a coffee can on a scale and adjusted, listen to this, and adjusted the weight to include the weight of the coffee can and weighed all my food before I ate it and then threw up in the same coffee can, I could judge by the weight how much came up. But that's one of the things, I, I don't want to do that. How complicated and time-consuming and just humiliating is that? And the voice is like, yeah, but do you really want to run the risk of leaving some extra food in there? It's just this voice, you know, it's this voice that's in each one of us. And, and for the bulimic, it's one voice. For you, it's another. For me, it's another. Um, to know that voice and to know that it goes all the way to the bone and to be able to rejoin with the psalmist and say, do not... Forsake me, O Lord. Be the word which speaks over these words in my head. Um, oh my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Um, I was going to read Psalm, I mean, Article 9 of the 39 Articles, which speaks of the original sin um, that's in within each one of us, um, but I won't. Um, but I think I will close. I'll go back to the book, Ethan Richardson. Um, here's a paragraph where he says, what does this anecdote say about the what do these anecdotes say about the inner voice these these voices simply put it's you pawn it off as demon possession or a bad day as long as you want but there's no escaping that the demon is sleeping with you every night that it stares back at your aging face in the mirror every morning you are not merely the victim you're also the progenitor of the of an internal combustion engine this voice does not happen to you as much as it is in you there is no escape. It knows us. It is us. We need salvation because this voice is in us, and it's all the way to the bone. Um, 
and Ed had, um, Scully couldn't save him. Um, nobody could save him from the voice. It was on him, and it's a part of him now. Um, it's a part of who we are. Um, that's a biblical witness, I think. That's exactly the stakes in what is being played out when we plead with David in his Psalms, um, O Lord, be not far from me. Uh, speak and, and silence the voice, for when you return, then every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the end of this voice. And that's a great, great, great and full Christian hope. Um, and that's, that's the tension that we live in. So I'm going to just leave it there. Come for a comment or two? Let me pray. Lord, um, take these feeble words and um, carry them, I pray, on your word and, uh, and strengthen them in such a way that it would, in fact, be your word being done, um, being spoken in your way and not lacking for a thing. Um, by vehicles, uh, even, even old TV shows, um, allow us to recognize where your word, uh, your word of law, which brings us to a right understanding of how things actually are, but also your word of gospel, which tells us that outside of us there is salvation. Um, save us, Lord. Um, save us from ourselves and ultimately um, save us from you uh, in your, um, your word of, uh, of ruin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Thank you. See you all in a few weeks. Pick this back up.